You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Great, great singing. Isn't that choir wonderful? Oh, my goodness. First, I'd like to give honor to God, who's the head of my life, apart from whom I would have no being, could not move, could not do a single thing. Then I'd like to give honor to Pastor George and his wife, Anne, for the leadership that they're giving to this great and wonderful church. And then, obviously, to all of God's people, because uh, in God's economy, we're all special. Amen? Amen. So we want to uh, give honor to you. Secondly, I'd like to thank University Presbyterian Church for your uh, partnership down through the years. You have uh, lent both love and financial support to our work in Rainier Valley for which we are grateful because it has assisted us in our effort to make the Lord real to people in Rainier Valley. How many know that there's still people that need to know the depth, the height, and the width of God's love? You would think after all this time, everybody would know, but there's still some folk who just don't have a clue yet. And uh, so we're doing everything we can in our neck of the woods to uh, let people know about God's goodness and his graciousness and his desire to be in a right relationship with him. Amen? Then I'd like to just uh, shamefully put a plug in for an event that we're having. <laughs> Sunday, October 19th, we're having a celebration. We merged about six years ago, uh, Emerald City Outreach Ministry, with a like organization. We became Urban Impact. And each year we have uh, celebrated uh, what God has been doing in us together. And so if you are free at about 530 on Sunday, October 19th, then we'd encourage you to come down to uh, just celebrate what uh, uh, God is doing with us today. I've got a little story I just have to tell. Picture this, a 60-year-old couple celebrating 40 years of marriage. Uh, they, after, at the end of all the festivities, get home. They have a plethora of gifts and cards, and as they're going through them, they come across one particular card. They open it, and it said, Ask whatever you will in my name, and I will do it. And it was signed, God. So the wife looks at the husband. The husband looks at the wife and, go, and they start saying, you, you believe this stuff? You think this is real? So they said, well, let's give it a shot. So the wife scratched her head and she thought, you know, honey, we've never been on a European cruise before. We've done the, Medit- I mean, we've done the, the, the Caribbean. We've done Mexico, but never a uh, European cruise. You think? And so they asked and bam, just like that. Cruise tickets arrived. Bam, just like that. Plane tickets were there. Bam, just like that. Money to enjoy themselves on this vacation appeared. So the husband looked at the wife and thought, oh, this this works. So he began to scratch his head. And he thought, I would like to have a wife that's 30 years younger. (laughs) And bam, just like that. He was 90. Just like that. (laughs) I've got to confess, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I just like it and thought I'd tell it. I have just committed the cardinal sin. Never tell a joke or story that doesn't fit the sermon. But God forgives, and you must too. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Time for the words. Amen. 
Let me, uh, let me read uh, from the scripture. It's a familiar passage, one that uh, we've uh, heard before. In fact, there are probably several verses in this text that you can probably quote yourself. Uh, I titled this message, Winning in a Losing Situation, and it's based on this text. Let's read uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. Let me read just 14 verses. This is a text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials and leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and artisans, had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisah, son of Shaphan, and to Jemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Wow. And it said, This is what the Lord Almighty God of Israel says to all those carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Verse 7. Also seek the welfare or the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have, for they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord really says. When 70, 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. Where I come from, we say, may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word, and you say, amen. 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 Winning in a losing situation. M. Scott Peck wrote a pretty important book back in the 80s called The Road Less Traveled. And he starts a book with this emphatic statement, life is difficult. And how many know that to be true? I have personally found that to be a very, very True statement. In fact, I was born crippled. Can you imagine what, just when life was beginning to have something like that happen to you? And if I wore uh, shorts to the service, you'd have to pick the chicken leg or the turkey leg because I have one of each. Because I had this operation, they had to put a cast on my right leg. It didn't grow at the same pace as the left leg. And so I have variety. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> born crippled, right? Parents divorced when I was seven years old. Uh, we became a public aid family. 
My dad was severely alcoholic and used to beat my mom mercilessly um, when we were younger, which led to the, the breakup. My mom later become a, became a heroin addict. In fact, she died as a two-time heroin addict at the age of 39. That's too young for anybody to be dying. Amen. But even more recent than that, in 1992, after we had started this wonderful ministry called uh, Urban Impact, formerly um, Emerald City Outreach Ministries, uh, uh, one of our staffers uh, embezzled a third of our income. Can you imagine that? A scoundrel stealing from God and his people. What's wrong with him? But even more recent than that, uh, two years ago, my youngest son, a uh, WSU alum, apologized to you Huskies. Someone from Seattle had to go to a good state school. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Should have left that part out. Scratch that for the next three services. All right. But my youngest son, uh, a WSU graduate, nearly died from a random drive-by shooting two years ago. Can you imagine how painful that must have been for my wife and I? And then seven months later, my wife nearly dies because they discovered she had a brain aneurysm. Fortunately, there was another thing happening that caused some bleeding, which caused them to run some tests. And that's how they caught the aneurysm before it ruptured. And boy, never will forget that time. Wife of 33 years. Man, can you believe that? And all of a sudden, she's about to exit. And it was tough. And even more recent than that, we've had I have another staffer. In fact, his wife just recently went through brain surgery, found one of the two symptoms that my wife had. Then another real friend is battling with cancer right now. Just not sure they're going to make it. Amen. Wow. Are you tired already? <laughs> I am. That's a lot, isn't it? For one person to go through, that is a lot. But what's happening in your life? How, how many times... Have you had to say, God, you got to help me in this thing? Well, I said all that to simply give you a sense uh, of what Israel must have been experiencing um, there in Babylon. Uh, after all, who, who in here, raise your hand if you would love to be in slavery. Love to be under the servitude of a mean taskmaster. Love to be away from all that's familiar to you. Love to be away from all those who love you. Love to be in a place where you're not esteemed very highly. I don't think any of us would like that. But yet Israel found themselves in this situation. And I often say that if God gave me a painter's canvas and said, Drake, paint your life as you wish, I guarantee you the things I listed would not be on that canvas. It would be an idyllic life, amen? It would be perfect, but yet that's not what life is. Life somehow hands us all this stuff that just hurts. It's difficult, and that's why we're calling this sermon winning in a losing situation. The real news is that life is difficult. Can somebody say that? It's just tough. Nudge somebody and tell them it's tough. Now, y'all can't just sit there like that. Tell somebody. It's not rhetorical. Life is tough, amen? And it's difficult. And the sooner we embrace it, the better off we will be. But the good news is that God gives us clues as to how to win in a very difficult or losing situation. And that's where the text comes in today because I believe that we have four, four clues here that God gives us by looking at the life of Israel that will help us today. And so if you 
are taking notes, there are four P's. Four things we're going to look at in our text. First, write the word produce. Pray. Preserve. And pursue. Produce, pray, preserve, and uh, pursue. Now let's re- go back to our text. If you read verses 5, <coughs> excuse me, and 6, it, the, 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 the Lord is telling Israel in this hard and difficult place to build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, get the children married, increase. Uh, Oh, you got to be kidding me. And then he tells him to seek the welfare of the city. How crazy is that? Come on, I'm having a hard time in life. And you want me to be what? Productive? You want me to keep moving, keep going on? It's crazy, isn't it? But let me tell you that that when you are productive, there's a reason why God wants it. Because production is the antidote to immobility and numbness and paralysis and when you have a hard time, it's very easy to just want to quit on life. I, I, I remember a time I was so down, I just didn't want to do anything. I could, all I could do was just lie across the bed. But I soon realized that I couldn't just lie there. I had to get up. I had to do something. I had to uh, begin to be productive again. And so this is what God tells us. And I want to remind you that God responds to faithfulness. And when we can just muster up enough strength just to keep going, it helps us. Why? Because God is not through with us. He is not finished with us at all. And so he tells him here, I want you to get busy. Tell your friends to get busy. Okay, you did it to me again. This is not rhetorical. Tell somebody, get busy. Should resound all over the house. Get busy, get busy, get busy. Get busy. God wants us to be remain productive because the minute you slow down, the minute you begin to lose. Amen? Amen. But God is saying, no, this is the first clue to being a winner in a losing situation. God says, I want you to be productive. There's nothing good about paralysis, folk. Nothing at all. Amen? And God doesn't want his people to be paralyzed because of their situation. But, but notice here in the text that God says, I want you to, to uh, pray. Seek the peace, the welfare, the prosperity uh, of this city to which I carried you. Sometimes God allows these things that happen in our lives and they're for a reason. We don't always understand them, but He allows them for a reason. So the second thing he says is something even crazier than being productive. That is to pray. God, are you out of your mind? Come on, be honest with me. Tell somebody he must be crazy. But I want you to know that the reason God tells us to pray when things aren't going well, when life is difficult, is because prayer becomes a safeguard for us. Never will forget uh, when I began ministry in 1979 full-time, I had a, a, an executive director who, who did me wrong. I mean, really, really wrong. So wrong, I left the organization and, and ran to Seattle. And for three years, I wouldn't talk to the guy. He'd call me, I'd recognize his voice, and I'd just hang up. Bam! Didn't want to say a word. Didn't, don't talk to me. I, I was starting to become bitter, and the Irony was is that I was in full-time ministry. I'm in vocational ministry. I'm a man of the cloth. 
and had that kind of attitude. Could not forgive, could not release, could not let go, could not go past. Are you, are you, are you following me? And so God says that the, the prayer then will keep you from becoming bitter. It will keep you from embracing pain in an unhealthy way. It will keep you. So he tells us to pray for the very thing that brings pain in our life. Now, I know that's crazy. But God does crazy stuff because he's, he's not like us. He's bigger and better. Amen? And, and, and so, so I eventually had to, had to forgive that fellow. And uh, I never will forget, God brought his home phone number to my mind just like that and said, call him. <laughs> you know, I already thought God was crazy then, but I, I had to call him. Because there's something that happens. Philippians 4 tells us that we're not to be anxious or worried or burdened with care about anything, but rather with thanksgiving, we're to make our requests known to God, right? Why? He said, because then th- th- this thing called peace, which we can't fathom or explain it's inexplicable will come over us and it gives us the capacity to manage this stuff i can tell you when my son and my wife went through their 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 trials there there was this uncanny unbelievable peace that god gave me yes i cried i i had moments of where i was a little concerned but yet because i remained prayerful god gave me the capacity to to manage that stuff be not anxious but when we pray, you know what we have to do? Just be honest. <laughs> My oldest son heads off for college with a football scholarship. Proud papa, right? He was all state everything in defense for his high school. And the cat gets to college and starts doing drugs. Now, you can imagine how that must have shook me because I told you that my mother died as a heroin addict at the age of 39. It was not a fun time. I used to do acid, opium, heroin, mask, uh, 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 all the junk that you can think of in combination. And so when my son comes home, Lord, I just, I, I was starting to lose it. And I never will forget, I was talking to God. <laughs> Actually, I was yelling at God. And when I, when I began to pray, I couldn't say, oh, Lord, help me. I was saying, God, you better fix this thing, and you better fix it now. I was just being honest with God. I don't understand this. Here I am. I've given my life to serve you in ministry vocationally, God, and I leave my family and friends in California to come to Seattle, rainy Seattle. You know, and I'm serving you, and then you let this happen to my children. This is unfair. Why would I say it's unfair? Because somehow we Christians have this notion that if we really love Jesus, that everything should be all right. We should never have a problem. But I prayed, even through the pain, even through the difficulty. And I remember coming to a place where I said, God, I'm going to stop saying it's unfair because I am not exempt from hardship. I'll just be honest and say it hurts. It hurts. But when we find ourselves in these difficult places, God just said, can, can you just... Just pray. And even if you can't muster the words to say, just just kind of moan. Mm. They told me in the old historic black church I became a Christian through that the devil couldn't understand what you were saying when you moan. And so they would go, and you just hear them. All they would say is, thank you, Jesus. Help me, Lord. 
And that's what we need to do for each other because sometimes we can't pray for ourselves and we need to pray for each other and we don't always know what to pray. And so we just need to say, help him, Lord. Can, can you strengthen my sister? Uh, undergird that family, Lord. Can you wrap your arms around her? God, I don't know what to pray, but can you just have mercy, not have mercy, H-A-M, have mercy. That's when you're real, you're just saying, have mercy, Lord. But God allows us to be honest when we pray. So that's what God wants for us. So in these difficult times, we're going to take on an attitude of being productive. We're going to stay engaged and, and involved. And then we're going to become prayerful. And then God tells us the third thing is to preserve. Read with me uh, verse 8 through 11. Listen to what it says. Yes. This is what the Lord says. I would imagine the Israel, 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 Israelis were saying to, to the author, you've got to be kidding me. And he says, yes, no, no, no. This is what the Lord of God, Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams. Listen to this carefully. You encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord really says. When 70, seven old years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not plans to harm you, to give you hope and a future. He wants us to preserve. Tell your neighbor, preserve. Preserve the promises of God. Oh, my goodness. Corey Ten Boom is on record, went on record as saying, you are never to doubt in the dark what God has spoken in the light. Never doubt in the dark what God has spoken in the light. And how many know that's so easy to do? God gives us a promise and tells us to do something and, and we run. In fact, I went running. I thought God called me to the ministry. I was sure of that. And I said yes to God. And I was saying yes to all the miracles and all the good things and all the salvations. I didn't know I was saying yes to the pain. Because how many know that when you follow God, there is some pain? There's difficulty, my Lord. And so I had to hold on to the promises of God. My goodness. The promises like God will never leave us nor forsake us. And there are times when I just say, God, where are you? Promises like weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But the, but the first part of that verse in Psalms 30, verse 5, says that the anger of the Lord is but for a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. And so when you're in a situation where we may from time to time be under some chastisement from God, remember that's just for a moment because his favor lasts much longer. Amen? So we have to preserve and hold on to the promises of God. We don't let go. But notice here he says, I want you to be careful that you do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. You encourage your prophets to have. How many know when things are going tough, you want to hear some good news? Come on, tell the truth. Shame the devil. Things are going bad, you want some good news. And if we aren't careful, we, be, we, we, we develop itching ears. And we want to hear all the good stuff rather than the real stuff or the tough stuff. And so we have to be careful that we don't embrace the false 
in the process. But we're to embrace what? The promises of Almighty God. Preserve, Lord Jesus. Mm, 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 mm. Preserve the goodness of God. I always have good stuff in mind when I want God to use me. Have you prayed that before? God use me. Have your way in me. Have you? Do you have all the bad stuff in mind or the good stuff? Have all the good stuff, baby. You know? But I've got to hold on to the promises. The promises. The promises. Because Numbers 23 tells us that God is not a man or a human being that he should lie. But what? If he said it, he will do it. If he's spoken it, he will bring it to pass. He'll make it happen. It's the kind of God he is. Amen? So, in this difficult situation we find ourselves in, remember God wants us to remain productive and prayerful, wants us to preserve his promises. Then finally he says it's in verse 12 to 14, I want you to pursue. Somebody say, run after God. Let me read verses 12 through 14 again. Then you will call upon me, he says, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. That's everything within you. And I will be found by you. Amen, declares the Lord. And then I will bring you back to this place which I carried you into exile. Now, it's interesting to me that, that, that there are some Christians I encounter that when they encounter hard times, they get angry with God and want to run away from God. Rather than to God, they run from God. And I was told that when you played basketball, that, that whenever you got in trouble, you were to try to run to your help, not away from your help. You, you get trapped in a corner. You're, you're looking for somebody to, to help you. And so you, you pivot and you try to run to your help, not away from your help. But, and it just amazes me that, that we believers, bona fide believers, not the pretenders, but the bona fide believers, when we encounter hardship, we, we have this tendency to try to run away from God when in reality we should be running towards God. Because that's where your help is, amen? The psalmist said in 121, I look to the hills, but where does my help really come from? It, 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 it comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And folks, if we want help, we, we got to come to God, Amen. That, that, that's why when, when, when we encountered that embezzlement in 1992 and lost a third of our income, we, we had to run to God and say, okay, God, how are we going to fix this thing? Ken was on staff right after that thing happened, and it was incredible how God helped us get through that time, brought some miracles our way because we continue to pursue God and to run after God. Amen? When when, when my, my, my oldest son was really, really messed up, he had gotten off track with, with God. But when my, when my son was nearly killed, he came home uh, right during the surgery. And then seven months later, he had to come home because his mom is having a, a, a life-threatening situation. And he went back to Sweden, which is where he lives. And he said, Dad, those things shook me. And he realized that two of the dearest people in his life almost got away from him. And it 
cause him to stop running from God, but rather start running back toward God. And who knows that his daddy was happy. Daddy was ex- excited and elated to know that, that through this hard time, he had begun to shift his attention back to God because that's what God wants for us. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. You will find me when you seek me with not just part of your heart, but all of your heart. Lord God. My wife, I, I'm happy to say this, that wife of 33 years is doing fine and she's just as cantankerous now as she was before the surgery. <laughs> Never will forget, I didn't tell this the last service, but I got to tell this. The wife, you know, she's on the heaven sedation and I'm taking care of her. I'm trying to, waiting on her hand and foot and losing sleep, trying to care for my bride, my lovely, my heart. And as soon as she started getting well, she said, the grass needs to be cut. (laughs) I'm saying, woman. But during this time, all, all I knew to do was to plow into God. I just had to plow into God. And, and a lot of times, I don't, I don't even know what to say to God, honestly. But I, sometimes I just have to sit there. Just sit in His presence. Just say, God, I don't know what to say, but you know what I have need of even before I say a word. Isn't that awesome? God wants us to pursue Him, to run after Him. When troubles come... He wants us to run in his direction, not away from him. So, here we are. Find ourselves in these pretty difficult situations from time to time. That's life. Life is difficult. That's the truth. The good news, however, is that God gives us clues right here in the text of how to be a winner in a losing situation. And it's simply just to remain productive. Do your best just to keep going. And to develop this capacity just to talk to God. Even when you don't know what to say, just acknowledge his presence and his goodness and ask him for help. And then preserve the promises. Mm. That's the thing that breeds hope. Amen. And then let's develop the habit of really running after God and pursuing him. And let's ask God to be God in, in, in our midst. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we do thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. And we're grateful, God, for the life that you give us. But we also know that in the midst of following you, God, we encounter some pretty difficult things. And so I pray that you would help us in those moments. That, that we would realize that even when you, we, you seem far from us, you're even closer then than you've ever been. And I pray, God, that you will indeed help us to run to you with every ounce of strength that we have when difficulties come. God, and may we never forget the promises that you have given us in your word. You will never put more on us than we can bear. Never, ever. And that's a promise. Sometimes we feel like you've mixed us up with somebody else. But God, we know you never put more on us than we can bear. And would you help us? In the name of Jesus. So continue to smile upon this congregation, upon these families, upon these individuals. And I pray that you would use them in the mighty name of Christ, we pray. Let everybody say. Say amen again. Amen. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org.
All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.